Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up y'all? This is William Zabka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And we're back with another episode review. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I checked my call log on Skype, and it's been a while since we've done much of anything. Last time we talked was August 23rd, actually. Holy cow, it's almost been a month. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things have happened in between then. Uh, We've released uh, at least one interview, I know that, and... We had maybe a news episode in there somewhere. Then we had uh, our most recent episode where Brianna and Amy S. and I went to Dragon Con. Or Atlanta, yeah. rather. Yeah. Busy time. Uh, myself, uh, the only real big Cobra Kai-related news that I've had that I haven't had a chance to talk to on the phone was, uh, well, I should say on the show, was that I introduced my manager at work to Cobra Kai since uh, YouTube put the first season out for free. And... He is absolutely addicted to it now. That's awesome. Has he caught yeah. up to season two? Almost. Okay. So where's he at? Uh, did you know? Uh, I want to say last episode he watched was All In. Okay. Now, the important question. Did you tell him about the pod? Of course I did. <laughs> and what did he say? Did he scoff and say, you dork? Or did he say, hey, I'll check that out? He said, what's a podcast? <laughs> He's Johnny. Uh, it, essentially, yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. A, a pod what? <laughs> <laughs> You're not far off. Not far off at all. No, sir. Yeah. Uh, I guess the uh, speaking of news, um, recently we found out that come November 12th, 2019, seasons one and two will come out as a collector's item on DVD. Yes. Uh, I've been... Tr- you know, poking around trying to find out how we can get copies to review because I'm really anxious to let folks know about the special features that are going to be on there. Yeah, the special features look pretty amazing. Um, uh, off the bat, or off the top of my head, rather, uh, it, I think there were some deleted scenes, uh, gags. Pretty much everything that we've been asking for, it seems. I think so, yeah. I mean, I already ordered it myself. It is a pre order right now, so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm paying for it just so I can get it. You know, there's mm-hmm. no point, I think, in waiting around trying to get a free copy when I know for sure if I just order it, I'll have it in my hands. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm definitely going to end up buying the dang thing one yeah. way or the other. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's just a matter of which format I'm going to buy it on. Is, am I going to buy it on, you know, streaming? Because season two is also going to be launching on iTunes Google, Voodoo, all of those places on the same day. Okay, that I didn't catch yet. Yes. And it's going to be in full 1080p HD. I'm go. not sure if it's going to be in 4K, but I do know it's going to be at least 1080p. Awesome, awesome stuff, you know, so we're going to get it in the highest of definitions. Yes. Possibly, yeah. So um, I think... That's all I could think of. I, I know the, the the comics are coming out pretty soon as well, uh, with some alternate covers. 
and obviously they're you know well into you know the shooting schedule. Um, very little has come out of that in terms of like any anything else. Um, I get the impression that it, that they're going to be filming the Okinawa stuff locally. I'm wondering. I I honestly don't know. I mean, I've seen some photos that people have snuck out, but it's all been from a distance, so you can't really tell what's going on other than activity is buzzing. Well, yeah, there was uh, a casting announcement looking for people of Asian descent. Yeah, I, I I didn't read it myself just because, well, I'm over here on the West Coast, so it doesn't help me. But uh, I did Daily appreciate dollar short, sir. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, shout out to Cobra Kai mom Mandy. She did um, share that in our group and said, "Hey, you know, you left too soon." And well, there's um, could have been my chance, perhaps. But yeah, I thought about begging the wife for a cheap plane ticket, you know, down to Atlanta and back to try to become an extra. But I don't know if I want to play that card just yet. Mm, yeah, something else might come up, so you never know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think that's what uh, that's all we got for now. Uh, this episode that we are reviewing today is episode eight of season two, titled "Glory of Love." Obviously, that's a nod to the uh, song that was uh, Academy Award nominated uh, from the Karate Kid Part Two, making that a Academy Award nominated movie. I did not know that. We we actually talked about it on in our review of Karate Kid Two. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, not only was that about two years ago, but if I remember right. We were recording that at like four in the morning, my time. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I don't know. Uh, it's possible, maybe. I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's been weird schedules, you know, very over the weird. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode, the teleplay, but, uh, was by Luan Thomas and Joe Pirelli. Uh, my apologies. Um, don't know how to pronounce that. And the story is by the big three, actually, uh, including the the two here that wrote the teleplay. So all five of them came out with the story. Uh, also directed by Jennifer Salata, who uh, has directed a number of episodes in both seasons uh, thus far. And as usual, we have our episode summary provided by Amy S. Johnny starts to acknowledge his feelings for Carmen, but after learning she's seeing someone, he takes Miguel up on his offer to help him join Tinder. Meanwhile, he tells the kids that Kreese won't be around anymore. Daniel and Amanda's marriage continues to suffer from the strain of competing priorities, but Lucille helps him gain some much-needed clarity. Robbie and Sam decide to stop sneaking around and go on a real date where they have a run-in with Tori and Miguel. Uh, and uh, I'll leave it at that. She has a part two here. I don't know if I want to read this on the, uh, uh, on the episode, but um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. All right. You're going to have to text that to me. I'm I'm curious to know what's too hot for companion. Oh, uh, you know, fine. I'll just read it. Uh, jo- <laughs> Johnny has the most adorably chaste sex dream in the history of sex dreams, and Daniel and Amanda bang in the back of a car. Did they? I didn't get the impression that they actually, uh, uh, you know, bang in the back of a car. Oats. Yeah, I I got the impression that they did. I mean, w- w- did you want to see the car shaking? Is that is that what you wanted? Well, I mean, just from the. Well, I'm not going to go there. Let's let's try to keep this family friendly. <laughs> right, this show. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, okay, all right. We'll 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 move on. Yes. Um, starting off in the beginning of the episode, yes, Johnny, uh, he's paying Carmen a visit and gives her quite a passionate kiss. 
Uh, but we find out it's a dream sequence. I'm going to call it right here, right now. To date, this is the best cold open on Cobra Kai. On all 20 episodes, this is the best opening, I think. Uh, it's definitely the most fun to watch. Uh, and also, you know, from our previous interview with uh, Vanessa Rubio, she mentioned that, uh, you know, when she found out about this, she thought it was a joke. So um, I, I think looking back or rewatching it, it's kind of funny because it, it looks well staged and choreographed and all that. You know, there's a little bit of play fighting in the dojo and they're both wearing geese and, and all this. And uh, it's, it's quite fun, you know, a little nod to... I believe it's Flashdance, right, though, what she's wearing in, in one moment? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing just feels like a hair metal band video from the mid-'80s. I, I yeah. thought it was just very well done. Yeah, it didn't, uh, It ends with uh, Bob, the punching dumb there, getting uh, some underwear and bra thrown on him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then you just cut to, you know, you see Johnny... The alarm clock's ringing, but he's got this sloppy grin on his face while he's still dreaming. I thought it was just so funny. Oh, yeah. It's a great smirk. Yeah. Uh, the next moment, uh, Daniel wakes up on the couch, and his mom is there. Uh, she returns in this episode, and she makes him bacon and eggs and Minute Maid. Uh, obviously, a nod to the first movie. This might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, the whole making him bacon could be possibly a nod to the making bacon t-shirt that freddie fernandez wears in the first movie i'm not sure mm, possible yeah maybe a but a bit of a reach i mean it's breakfast i mean that's pretty exactly common. it is pretty common. if you're gonna if you're gonna have meat at breakfast it's usually sausage or bacon if right. you're fancy maybe steak yeah uh we find out that she's staying in the guest room so that doesn't really, you know, say like, oh, well, Daniel's sleeping on the couch because his mom happened to be spending the night. Uh, but, you know, he pretends to be sick, but she sees right through it. Knows that uh, something's probably up with him and Amanda. You can't lie to mom. No? She, she knows. I mean, she's feeling his head, and I'm sure that it's not as warm as, you know, he's making it out to be. Still, mom knows. They really do. Mm -hmm. uh, Robbie and Sam are kissing inside Miyagi-Do uh, over by rule number one and I guess they were supposed to be leading warm-ups but it sounds like somebody else might have taken the initiative and uh, or they just might have been talking on the outside I, I, I couldn't really tell but um, they talk about uh, you know telling Amanda and Daniel about them seeing each other possibly but obviously now is not the best time because they're fighting yeah uh I just thought that this was a, I don't know, I, I thought it was a nice little way to show exactly where Robbie and Sam were in their relationship. I thought it was cute. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, in a brief scene outside, Dimitri finds the Medal of Honor, which obviously we know that Miguel gave Robbie, uh, or returned it to Robbie, so this is what he did with it. He put it back there somewhere, so that way Miguel doesn't get the brownie points. Kind of a... Uh... I don't know. Just not a cool move. No, it's not, but I get it. You gotta bear in mind, he's what? 15, 16, maybe 17? Right. You know, that's what a kid that age would do. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Johnny comes out of his apartment and is about to go see Carmen until he hears her approaching with a guy. They're locked in arms, and it looks like they're uh, just coming back from a coffee shop. Yeah, uh, what do you think Johnny was going to talk to her about? I think he was going to ask her out on a date. 
that's the impression I got. Um, but I definitely, I, I got to give him credit for being mad enough to back off. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, a, that's a bitter pill that you got to swallow sometimes. I mean, what's he going to do? They're, uh, again, they're walking up, lock, locking arms, and Johnny's not going to be like, hey, uh, can I talk to you real quick? <laughs> you know, like she's just coming back from a little brunch or, you know, morning date herself. Obviously, they just got coffee together. Um, well, I mean, he could have given her the cold shoulder and just been a jerk about it, but he didn't. He didn't, but, you know, she does introduce him to Graham, the, that's the guy's name, and Johnny gives him the old karate grip, and Graham jokes about needing x-rays, and, you know, she's like, oh, isn't he funny? And Johnny just stares at him, so gives Graham a bit of a cold shoulder. Yeah, well, I mean, Graham definitely had that douchey vibe to him from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we already know, right? Johnny's the hero. So anybody else that isn't him that's with Carmen, who we're all rooting for them to get together, they're going to be the douche, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, at the LaRusso dealership, Amanda walks into her office and sees all types of goodies. Looks like uh, Daniel picked up some lunch. Uh, there's sushi. He picked up tea from somewhere, trying to let her know that he basically went out of his way to to bring this all to her. But she says that she has a lunch with the sales team at another location and that it was on the calendar. So another thing he just happened to overlook. I think Daniel is making the mistake that eventually every husband makes. No matter what your relationship is, if you're a man and your significant other is ticked at you, you're going to go about it by trying too hard. And you're not going to address the real issues. And I think that's exactly what Daniel's doing here. I can see that. Um, he's trying to take the initiative, but she doesn't care, right? Because she she knows what this is. You know, I think I think it's later where she even makes a comment like, uh, you know, this is all nice and all, but it's not permanent. Exactly. I mean, if he were really sorry and he really wanted to try to make it up to her, you know, in this situation, put your nose to the grindstone, go into the office, kick some ass. And if you have some time left over, then you try to woo her. Yeah, I mean, this is like a, a different version of just buying flowers to say I'm sorry, right? It's an over-the-top version of it at that. Right, because, I mean, buying flowers is like, well, that's a nice gesture, but what am I going to do with these flowers? Exactly. You know, what kind of apology is this? Do you, do you understand what's going on rather than just buying flowers and think everything's going to be okay? Yeah, I, I think he's making that mistake where he knows... That he's in trouble, he just doesn't either know why or doesn't want to acknowledge why he's in trouble. I mean, it might be a little bit of both. It could be. Uh, she offers the food up uh, to the customers. And in the next scene, Miguel and Tori, they're stretching at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Uh, Miguel's trying to set up a date at the roller rink because uh, she's working that day. And it's going to be 80s night, and she tells him that he's going to have to dress up. And he wants to go as Anthony Michael Hall from Weird Science. That's an unusual pick because it's been a while since I've watched that movie, but I don't remember him having a distinctive outfit in that movie, do you? Yeah, I don't think so either. Even when they become like the cool kids, I don't know if they're wearing anything like too different. I mean, unless Miguel's deciding to go as him from the very beginning of the movie, where he's wearing, like, those really oh. tight shorts and they get pantsed. Or maybe with the uh, bra strapped to their head. 
Okay, that could be it too. I, I, we don't see it, unfortunately. Uh, a couple things. I've reviewed Weird Science on Podstalgic, so if anybody wants to check that out, that's there. But I just recently saw Anthony Michael Hall at the Rose City Comic Con. I met the cast. Oh, that's awesome. Um, uh, Ilan Michael Smith, is that his name? Um, yeah, that dude is okay. like seriously impressively smart. He's a professor of some kind of medieval studies at uh, some, I, I can't remember the exact university, but it's a very prestigious job. Okay. Well, he was there and so was uh, Kelly LeBrock. All three of them were there at Rose City Comic Con. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to ask them a little uh, question. There was a like a before the con show just for press members where they had a little conference and I had a chance to ask them about their memories on John Hughes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah they, they had a panel, but I was there with my seven-year-old and I wasn't going to drag him around to panels because he, he would have been bored out of his mind. I was um, going to say, what seven-year-old is going to remember weird science? Exactly. But but also, uh, I, I thought this was interesting because I had never seen this before, but Anthony Michael Hall had a bunch of like t-shirts uh, also available for purchase, which makes sense because he's in all these great 80s movies. And so I'm sure they're all like, you know, his characters from those movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, that's pretty much it for the date. But Hawk shows up and Miguel goes over to him and wants to make sure that they're cool. And uh, Hawk says, you know, they were just en- enemies for a day, but they're Cobra Kai for life. Is that foreshadowing, you think? I definitely got the impression that it was foreshadowing. Hmm. You know, because Hawk is clearly going on a divergent path than where Miguel is. Right. So I, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I have a feeling that those two are going to end up clashing sometime. I mean, it's very possible. Foreshadowing, I'm not sure. Um, to me, it's pretty subtle if it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we get a brief scene. Johnny's in the office, and he takes down Kreese's army pick and looks at it. What do you think he's thinking right there? I don't know, if I had to guess, I'd say probably just... Not regret, Disappointment, though. disillusionment, okay. because yeah. this is a guy that he put so much faith and trust into, and he let him down again. Right. Uh, he comes out of the office, and we got Stingray stretching there, uh, pretty funny, and he's rocking that red headband. Um, Johnny announces, no more Sensei Kreese, uh, says that he made a promise to them to look out for their best interests, and Sensei Kreese didn't. Um, that his Cobra Kai was old and outdated, uh, refused, you know, to move forward, which makes him what? Stuck like cement. Exactly. Yeah, harking back to episode two, I believe that was, maybe. And then he talks about following the creed on the wall there. You know, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Follow it to the letter, and it'll make you strong, it'll make you formidable, and it'll also make you an asshole. So I Very think, true. I think he's reflecting on, on himself there, obviously. I think the whole experience with Crease, you know, especially up to now, I think was a very needed development in his character yeah i I think it's just a way of him finally being able to get past at least part of his past Mm -hmm. you know he's not there yet but he's well on his way yeah and i really like the line that follows too he talks about how life's not black and white that you know it's gray and that's very much what the show is right nobody's black or white it's gray and absolutely i think you know it, it it was very a specific in, in the writing, you know, like Johnny continues to talk 
about himself in the third person. It's like Johnny Lawrence's Cobra Kai shows mercy sometimes, you know. So um, I think this also might be like a little bit reminder to the fans, perhaps like, hey, you know, just just remember, like, you know, not everything's black and white. Yeah. However, you still have to be badass. It's a requirement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the lesson of the day is headbutting. Love it. That always looked just painful overall on both ends. I've never been involved in that, and I don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, and then this is followed by one of my laugh-out moments uh, for this episode is uh, Hawk, he had butts. I think it was, oh gosh, I forgot who it was now. And I know that we talked about this when the um, official trailer came out because, you know, we did the whole, like, freeze and uh, going frame-by-frame frame kind of thing. But anyway... Stingray is like, oh, that's awesome. Here, do me. So Hawk hits him, and he's like, ow, oh, you know. So that was that was pretty funny. Yes. But I'm wondering, like, uh, Hawk just headbutted one person. This is the second person, so he's got a pretty strong forehead there. Yeah, you could tell that. Uh, you know, he's a bit of a thick-headed, you know, badass. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, yeah, I just thought it was actually a, a neat little trick that he had yeah it was quite interesting uh but yeah funny moment there and then miguel goes see goes to see johnny and offers to lend an ear uh about the whole crease ordeal and um johnny just tells him look don't get distracted by tori and play hide the plantain on his own time i thought that was great it was pretty good i thought that was a, a, a really clever callback to his dinner at miguel's house yeah absolutely and uh then Miguel tells him about a dating app. You know what? I am so glad that I met my wife before any of that stuff came out. That just looks so, so awful. I would hate to have to meet somebody like that. Yeah. You know what I do like about this? Um, you know, we haven't gotten to that moment yet. But um, I love the fact that, you know, Johnny currently has a flip phone. In order to use said dating app, he's going to have to upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I love the detail in that, that, you know, we're going to give Johnny a new phone so he can use a dating app. Do you think that's why Johnny finally got one? I think so. I mean, just he, for that app. He can't download those type of apps on a on a flip phone. No matter how hard he tries. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I don't think they're available. So he, he had to upgrade. <laughs> um. Amanda walks into the dealership and sees Daniel and the students cleaning the cars, you know, doing the uh, wax on, wax off technique, and says that he's still trying to help, but obviously, she, again, I mentioned it earlier, she says that this isn't permanent. Again, he's just not seeing the big picture. Right. If anything, he was trying to present uh, Miyagi-Do in a way that he thought his wife might think was good. But it just backfired, as well it should have. This is uh, his synergy gone wrong. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, Miguel's helping Johnny setting up his profile. Uh, Johnny says to throw on Iron Eagle 1 and 2 uh, on his profile. And then he tells Miguel how they used to do it back in the day. You know, bump a girl, offer to buy her a drink, and, and all these things like, uh, like the cavemen did. Which, apparently, he likes those uh, insurance commercials. <laughs> Not a bad strategy if you, you know, really think about it. Again, I didn't have to do any of this. I got very lucky. 
I met my uh, wife in high school. Didn't have to do the bar scene. Didn't have to do apps. I am so grateful. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty lucky myself. Uh, my wife and I, we hooked up uh, shortly after I turned 19. Um, you know, I'm 36 now, so we grew up together. So, yeah, I you know didn't have to go through any of that stuff myself either. Thank God. Yeah. And then Miguel goes to pick out clothes for him and sees something in the closet, uh, which we don't see yet. Do you recall when you saw this the very first time, if you had an idea what it was? Not until the reveal. Really? No, I did not. It didn't even cross my mind. I, I figured it out. Awesome. Well, I mean, uh, Johnny had already given Miguel the white gi in the first season. Uh, we saw Miguel wear the black gi, or, you know, not Johnny's, but, you know, the, the Cobras wore the black gi at the tournament. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking, I was like, well, what could possibly be in the closet that Miguel, you know, asked if he can borrow? It's like, it's got to be the red jacket. No, my question is, do you think Miguel kind of got the uh, importance of that jacket, or did it just scream 80s to him? I think because it was a leather jacket with a cobra, you know, or at least the the fist on the front there. I think that's Mm -hmm. probably what it was. I I don't think it screams 80s, because it's it's just a red leather jacket. Oh, no, as cool as that jacket is, that's pure 1983-84. Really? Oh, yeah. What are it, 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 it some bear, examples? I always thought it bared a very striking resemblance to something that Michael Jackson would have worn in a early video. It, yeah, the Thriller video with, with all the zippers. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess, but all the other Cobras were wearing um, the exact same thing, but they had their own colors. Eh, it's dated, but not in a tacky way, just in a cool retro sort of way. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, it's worn, right? And uh, kind of to what you're saying, maybe Miguel is familiar with that video, and that's what it reminded him of. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. And then we see a brief uh, moment of Johnny basically playing hot or not. (laughs) You know, (laughs) talking about uh, a girl, if she lost a mole, she'd be hotter and, and all of this. That's why, I mean, I've got a friend who does another podcast where... Uh, it, it's a comedy podcast, but for the longest time, he was kind of sharing his exploits on uh, dating apps, and it just kind of exemplifies why I'm so glad I don't have to deal with this, because it's just, you you can't tell anything from a person just by swiping left or right, you know, and making an instant judgment like that. Right, and he was about to say that, too, until he started seeing some of the hot photos. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um. Sam and Robbie, they're kissing in the kitchen with the fridge open, and Grandma uh, comes walking in and asks for help with groceries. So, you know, it's a brief scene, but it's just showing us, like, you know, these two are really into each other, and obviously they have no place to do anything because they haven't come out with their relationship yet. Even so, it's kind of tacky to do that out in the open, isn't it? I mean, they probably open up the fridge to grab some refreshments and just thought uh, they can sneak a quick one, I'd imagine. And since nobody was there to look, they just continue to kiss. I mean, it yeah, happens. It's a it's a dangerous game Robbie's playing. They're young. They're young. Young hearts. Come on. Oh, I, I remember being that age, but I wouldn't uh, put myself in a position where I would possibly be caught by my... Uh, you know, girlfriend's father. That's just a death wish right there. And okay. He didn't even know karate. Well, I'm not going to tell him myself then. 
Um, <laughs> we get the sequence of dates. Uh, very hilarious. Uh, we got the, you know, the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know her character name, but the one with the smartwatch. And then that's where we see Johnny's, uh, well, I guess we saw the smartphone earlier, but he says that, you know, he's got that. And then there's one young lady that he says, uh, how about we just hop in my Challenger and I'll teach you to drive a stick, if you know what I mean. He didn't, like, <laughs> hear one thing she was saying, you know, and she seemed uh, really, <laughs> she was too intellectual for him, basically. She was, but I don't know. I, I just thought it was a great character moment because he's still stuck in the past. You know, he, he's blown away at the idea of being able to check your email on your watch, and he's not going to be able to keep up in that conversation. So he's just trying to steer it in a direction that he likes, and it completely backfires in his face. Because I have a feeling that he yeah. thought he was going to be successful with that line. Well, of course. I mean, the way he he says it, too. And it sounds like uh, he might have been uh, uh, maybe practicing that line because it came out pretty natural. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know that the entire time she was talking, he was just waiting for a chance to drop that. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did not listen to a word she said, you know. No. Um, he was just wait, you know, sipping his beer and just waiting for that, that the little pause there. Uh, but we get a uh, a returning... A uh, character here from the first season, from Ace Degenerate, the very first episode, Judy, who uh, he, who got him fired in the very first episode. Honestly, that was the best way to climax that entire montage. That was brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. Um, this is where, like, this is why, like, uh, you know, many people don't like spoilers, but you know, for those that follow a lot of the cast, uh, Kylie Del Rey, she had posted a picture on her social media in front of her trailer, you know, so people knew she was coming back. And in my mind, I was like, oh, what could she be back for? And I, I tried not to theorize too much, and I completely forgot. And so when she shows up, it was quite a surprise. So that's why I try not to follow a certain, uh, you know, Cobra Kai fan accounts because they're out there trying to spoil everything, um, put out things that the official people have not put out. So those are the people I try to stay away from. Yeah, there, I mean, uh, I'm trying to do the same thing because I'm actually looking forward to the new Star Wars movie. But you'll have people who are going through those trailers frame by frame and zooming in and using that to make elaborate theories. And it's like, ah, that's not fun. Well, I mean, Brianna and I did that for the first official trailer of season two. But, you know, we're not putting screenshots on our Instagram and trying to spoil things. You know, exactly. Because it's not our place. Exactly. Uh, then we get Daniel uh, sitting in his living room looking through an old scrapbook. And he sees a photo of uh, Mr. Miyagi and him from Karate Kid Part 3. Uh, looks like some postcards from possibly Okinawa in Japan. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, a, a big part of this show is the fact that these guys are kind of, for better or worse, can't get over their mentors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Daniel, as good a guy as he is, he's judging himself, I think, way too harshly by trying to compete with the legacy that Miyagi left behind, and he's doing himself a massive disservice. Right, but, you know, he, we're going to find out soon here 
you know, Mr. Miyagi was basically his dad, right? Because he, he lost his dad to uh, an illness, you know, when he was younger. So, you know, they recount that. You know, there, there's one moment where Daniel sees a picture of him and Amanda from 2002 from their you know, grand opening there. And, you know, his mom knows what's going on. So she assures him that, you know, things are going to get better. But this talk about like remembering his dad and Randy Heller just doing an amazing job and giving us a very emotional performance. Uh, I was nearly in tears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was definitely her moment to shine. Yeah. And, and the way she ended, you know, the, the this whole talk to, I mean, this this monologue of hers, she she ends it with, you know, she just wanted to know that he was in it with her no matter what. And, you know, I, I love how this scene opens up with Daniel obviously missing Mr. Miyagi and here's his mom indirectly giving him some pointers. Well, yeah. Basically a reminder, uh, I, I guess, you know, just to tell Amanda that he's still in it with her no matter what and stop basically trying too hard. Stop being so extra. Exactly. Yeah. He needs to concentrate on the here and now and not way back when. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are stuck in the past too much. Exactly. <laughs> needs to move forward. Right. Um, Johnny is looking at Allie's Facebook page and contemplates uh, sending her a message, uh, which he starts typing, hey, remember me, basically, and uh, we should uh, hook up sometime. Then he gets bumped by a female version of himself and accidentally sends that message. I have to admit, I wanted to see more from this lady. I was really, really interested to see what she could have brought to the table. She was great. She did everything that he said earlier to to Miguel. You know, she did the bumping. Uh, she offers to buy him a beer. And they looked like they were hitting it off uh, really well. Yeah, and no disrespect to uh, Carmen. You know, the dynamic those two share with each other is great. But I would have really liked to have seen what it would have been like. Just because this lady seems like if she'd have had the chance, she would have really, truly gotten Johnny. Oh, yeah. Vice versa. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if we didn't know about the whole Okinawa um, uh, visit here, I, I think a theory could be that this uh, this uh, young woman can show up in season three. And, you know, maybe there's a not a love triangle, but obviously a, a, a bit of a dynamic here between Johnny and Carmen with what happens at the end of season two. And possibly something with this uh, this woman. Yeah. Uh, who knows? What is shoulda, coulda, I guess. Well, we, we know we know some people who, who might know. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, Robbie and Sam, they go to the roller rink uh, as James Spader and Molly Ringwald from uh, Pretty in Pink. And runs into Tori and Miguel, uh, who tries to be nice and introduce them. But, obviously, uh, they all know each other. And... Um, Tori says she has to go back to work and kisses Miguel in front of Sam, basically saying, like, hey, he's mine now. Yeah, definitely an alpha move uh, that probably should have been a little bit more thought out. Mm, I suppose. I mean, not going to lie, like, I'm petty, you know, so I get it. I totally get what, what, what Tori's doing. Yeah, but she's also putting Miguel in an awkward position that she didn't need to. No, but, you know, these are young teens, um, and they have all types of emotions and stuff, and obviously uh, Sam and her have a bit of a history uh, just recently. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I, I get it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Johnny uh, seemingly, you know, finds the one in this young lady, but then he, he overhears Graham and a buddy uh, talking about Carmen. Says that she's good for a few bangs, but he doesn't want to be like a father to to Miguel. Just a douche, right? Yes, and let's face it. The I mean, the follow-up to this is so damn satisfying on a couple levels, really. Yeah. Um, and he he even, like, hollers at a young lady uh, walking by. And uh, I, I think he's, like, one of those guys that probably tries to use his accent to gain an interest of a, a young lady. It's, uh, it's a big uh, icebreaker, if nothing else. Right. Um, Robbie and Sam, they're skating, and If You Leave comes on, which is one of my uh, top 80 songs of all time. And Sam breaks her skate? Yeah, uh, I have actually seen that happen. She's, I mean, that can be actually a pretty nasty spill if that happens. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she catches herself, but uh, she tries to go get a new one, and Miguel uses this opportunity to try to talk to her. And uh, she's, you know, giving him a bit of the cold shoulder because the whole Tory thing. And, you know, Miguel points out, like, well, you're the one who's here on a date with Robbie. And she says it's not a date, which harks back to episode seven of last season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's saying that he's trying trying to clear the air. Uh, but it looks like it's a lost cause because she's not hearing him out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say, except, I mean, everybody is handling everything completely wrong in this situation but you're i mean it just comes down to the fact that these are not only teenage kids but they're teenage kids who engage in rather aggressive activities so they're they're going they're not going to think with their head right no they're not those emotions i tell you i i, I mean I, re- I remember those days and oh yeah i have stories you know so i i totally get all of this i really do um the the, the writers here they really tapped in you know to the young adolescents and and i i can relate i really can oh yeah no i mean they they definitely are doing a, a really good job with the way that these characters would react in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Everything they do feels true to the character. Yep, I agree. And then Johnny sees Graham kissing previously mentioned young lady, and uh, that was quick. <laughs> Either he's got a game or he just got lucky with the one who was into him that fast. Uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. I wonder if we're going to get Graham in season three. <laughs> I mean... He said that he's going to ghost, so maybe we won't. Uh, I don't know. I, I I could see him popping back up. I mean, he's you, too you know what? good that's, a character. That's, you're right. With uh, I mean, we're, we try not to spoil what happens at the end, but at this point, we're months removed from you know the uh, yeah. airing season two. But If you're listening to this episode, you've watched this episode, what we're talking about, several times. Or since YouTube is re-releasing these episodes once a week now, there's still some new people, but, you know, um, I guess we'll just leave it because I, I just had an idea how he could come back and why, but... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll save that for another episode, maybe. Um, but yeah, Johnny follows him uh, outside because the the restroom is broken. Uh, sucks, especially when you're at a bar, and confronts him about what he heard and gives him the old one too. But shows him mercy, which is funny because uh, you, you still kicked his ass. 
He did, but you could tell that he originally came there to do way worse. Yeah. But he's remembering his own lessons. We we saw his wrath, right, in uh, uh, season one, uh, where when when uh, Cousin Louis shows up with those bikers, right, like that scene. We seen what oh, Johnny yeah, can just do, look obviously. at what he did to, uh, man, the three kids' names. The three kids? Ty- or Kyler. Oh, Kyler, and... Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he beat the living life. I mean, again, yeah, we, trying to... They're, they're kids. Trying to... They're kids, but, you yeah, know, Yeah, he, he beat those kids uh, pretty badly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, uh, it's like muscle memory, but at least this guy is his own size. But uh, clearly, Graham doesn't know how to defend himself. No. No, and I, I I actually thought it was I was impressed by Johnny's growth as a character. Yeah, showing that restraint. Yep, yep, I agree with that as well. Uh, and then we go back to the roller rink where Tori is skating by and trips Sam, uh, which she retaliates and knocks her down. And then her Sam and Robbie both get kicked out, like her dad uh, did in the soccer field in Karate Kid One. Yeah, that is a neat little parallel. Yeah, neither of them started anything, but yet they're the ones being thrown out. Which, uh, it is a meme that I made, so. <laughs> um, Daniel reminds Amanda of their big opening. Uh, and, you know, they're in the backseat of a car, and they cheers to uh, something that's theirs, which is the, the dealership. And I thought this was kind of funny, too, because, you know, Amanda's pregnant, um, you know, while they're reminiscing here. And... Daniel's saying, well, she says that, like, well, this is ours, pointing to her stomach. And Daniel's like, no, this one's mine. You get the next one. So I think it's a bit of a joke to, like, well, you know, Anthony slash Antonio is kind of like, you know, we, we all seen him, right, in season one and a little bit of season two. We're like, okay, the, we kind of get the joke there. But I'm thinking, did they, have they already talked about, like, hey, they want at least two kids? Is Is that what? Well, what is your impression of this line? About that was the impression I got. Okay, that they were planning, uh, you know, a certain amount of kids, and then they were gonna just kind of call it a day. Okay, all right, because uh, I thought that it might have been like a little shade, like no, you get the next one because you know we we all know what Antonio turns out to be like. I'm sure that that was in the subtext. Oh sure, I'm sure that was intentional. Right. And then Inspiration uh, by Chicago comes on, a great song, obviously, and they're not going to play Glory of Love. And this was asked to John Hurwitz on uh, Twitter, which he said, well, that's, uh, you know, Daniel and Kumiko's song. So, uh, you know, we're not going to play that for for this scene with him and Amanda. So they play Inspiration. And then, you know, this is where my heart broke because Daniel starts talking about missing Mr. Miyagi and... I haven't really put it into thoughts as to like why I st- uh, I've been feeling this way, but ever since my visit in Atlanta, I've started to become like more emotional in like rewatching uh, episodes of Cobra Kai, and you know there was one night I watched um, Karate Kid Part Two, and like I swear to God I was crying like the first I don't know half hour forty five minutes of Karate Kid Two, uh, from Miyagi finding out his dad was sick and ill in Okinawa, um, Sato and Miyagi when they first meet it just everything was like just breaking my heart rewatching that um just vi- visiting the set and being in the Miyagi dojo it definitely did something to me and it, and it changed me I, I feel like a bit of a I don't know if kinship's the right word but I, I feel like a, a little bit of a, an attachment now to to this character well, that's awesome yeah but what did you think about this? I mean, obviously, we've been talking about how uh, Daniel has been so extra 
This is pretty simple. This is like, hey, let's remember a time that we were both very happy together. And this he is just, got it. He got it. They're, they're just talking. Exactly. He didn't need any kind of grand gesture. He just needed to talk to her, acknowledge that he screwed up, and, you know, do what he can to move forward. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, um, she she knows that he's missing Mr. Miyake, too, with the whole Cobra Kai thing. So uh, it's just a talk that they both needed and maybe not the perfect setting. But, I mean, again, this is kind of harking back to to 2002, right? But mm-hmm. at least it's not during work hours when people are around. He didn't bring the kids over, right? It's just them in what seemingly, you know, after hours, nobody else is around. Exactly. It was a more intimate gesture as opposed to being a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, he finally had a very well-played move in this episode. Absolutely. Um, and then Johnny goes home and sees Carmen outside waiting on Graham. Um, really sad because it's, I'm assuming it's really late. And then, uh, you know, Johnny says to forget about him. He's a douche and, you know, she doesn't deserve it. And then spits some game and asks her out. I gotta admit, I'm shipping those two big time. Pretty hard. Pretty hard. Yeah. And then, uh, then we get the end snake. And that's the, uh, that's the episode. Very, very well done episode all around. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one. I really loved it. Uh gave me all the feels at um you know multiple times. And I think the characters they're they're all growing. We we got some great moments from you know uh Robbie and Sam versus Tori and Miguel. You know, that that whole tension is building up. And then we got the the other two couples um starting to kind of figure things out with one another. And uh I, I think this is a great build up to what's gonna happen in the next episode. Well, I mean, the other thing I want to kind of shine a light on is this was an amazingly well-balanced script. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of shows that I can think of and specific episodes of other shows that I can think of where they feel like they're focusing way too much on one character and they're pushing everything else to the back burner. I didn't get the impression at all in this. I thought that they definitely did a lot to move the story forward. They definitely did a lot of character development. And I didn't feel like anyone was shortchanged in this episode. I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I, I, I watched it a, a few times because uh, we had to keep postponing this recording. But uh, and then I watched it uh, last night as a refresher. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely one of the stronger entries this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, at this moment, we have reached the point in the episode where we're going to bring Brianna in for her real eggs. I want to tell you about my first girlfriend. Hello, Brianna. Hello, Peter. Well, welcome back. I, I think I might have jacked up the whole intro or introducing you, you know, to this segment because, you know, it's it has been a while since we've done an actual episode review. So I think I was kind of struggling with what it was called. So Brianna um, uses real eggs. Brianna uses real eggs. Okay. Yes. All right. Gosh, I, I can't get used to it yet. 
<laughs> just, That's okay. We don't neither say it can enough. I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then neither neither can I. And you know, at, at the rate we're going, by the time we get done with season two, we'll be ready to jump right into season three. Yeah. Right. So you know, <laughs> it'll be just old hat, right? Oh uh, gosh. You, you know what? Um, obviously, our episode reviews have been coming extremely slow. Uh, we're talking about what? Well, gosh, almost five months since the release of season two. But you know, we, we've uh, provided interviews and bonus episodes. We had that. Uh, you know, gigantic Atlanta episode that we just released as well. So th- th- there are things that we're still putting out. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it, the content it, is still there. It's still there. And it does appear that people are still checking out the reviews, too. Um, so uh, we, we do appreciate uh, you know all of your guys' support. Um, but yeah, so you are here uh, for Glory of Love, Episode 8 of Season 2. And uh, what do you have for us? Okay, well, uh, starting off, obviously, the the biggest Easter egg is the title. You don't say. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, theme song from The Karate Kid Part 2, of course, my favorite song of all time. Go figure. Os- Oscar nominated for Best Original Song. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, that never happens to me because I like mainstream, or in the 80s did, you know, liked mainstream movies so much, and they never ended up in the Oscars. So for that one to be there was a big deal to me and, at the time. you know, it lost out to the time of our life, or my life, you know, and great song, you know, uh, so it, it it had a bunch of other songs it was going up against. Um, I believe also Nothing's Gonna Stop Us was also one of the other nominated songs, so it was a big year. It was. 1986 was a big year for movies. That that summer was fantastic. That's right. Yep. Um, then we, we go right into the episode first scene. We have Easter Egg homage, whatever you want to call it, montage of every 80s hairband music video ever. Mm-hmm. Um, most specifically, Tawny Katane in Here I Go Again. Yes. Um, wonderfully done. Th- th- Did this, notice... This episode oh, has a lot of great songs. Yes. Oh, yeah. The music in this one is is far and away as far as the music that they got the rights to use. This is my favorite episode musically. Yeah, I was going to say, like, would you say this is the, the one with the most uh, songs? Uh, probably. You know, because we got another one coming up at the roller rink. And oh, there was a few at the roller rink, actually. But There were there were two, at least two, possibly okay. three at the roller, two that I remember off the top of my head. And mm-hmm. then the back of the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good music episode. Good music episode. Uh, the title is Back to Yellow. I did notice that. It, it, it had oh, been red. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, then Daniel's sleeping on the couch and Lucille uh, with the uh, Easter egg to Daniel drinking Minute Maid because he doesn't like the what what the fancy stuff. Right. Now, um, I mentioned in our review that this might be a stretch, um, and, and we kind of debunked it as well, but uh, she made him bacon and eggs, and I go... It could be a stretch, but maybe making him bacon was a making bacon t-shirt reference. No, and I think that's a stretch. I think that's just because that's what people eat for breakfast. And that's what we said. <laughs> uh, that one, that one never even occurred to me. Um, honestly, the, the Minute Maid stuck out, of course, because the yeah, I'm I'm on Minute Maid, Ma. Of course, you know? exactly. Yeah, take off the sunglasses. Yeah, right, and also you know a little product placement for Coke, which. Atlanta. was not unheard of in the original movies either. I, I, and that's all I drank when we visited Atlanta. Well, that's because that's all you can get in Georgia. <laughs> that's all I wanted. <laughs> Try looking for Pepsi products in Georgia. It's it's quite 
you um, wouldn't find me adventure. looking for pe- the only Pepsi product I would. Oh well, uh, that that's actually Pepsi. Is maybe Wild Cherry Pepsi. Maybe. Are you a pump up the volume fan? Uh, not a movie I've seen yet. What? Not a movie I've seen yet. Oh my god! <laughs> I feel like I don't even know you. No, um, Tom, I believe has seen it, and we've talked about this on a, a probably a nostalgic episode. But he he's a radio guy. But I think Tom was saying I should watch it because he's kind of like a podcaster, basically. He's a pirate radio. He's an underground radio uh, out of a high school. Well, there you go, independent podcaster. Yeah, he's um. Happy Harry Hard on, and all he drinks is wild cherry Pepsi. So, oh. yeah, it's a big thing. You should actually really watch that movie. All right, I'll add, I'll add that to the list next to a never ending story. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to this episode. Oh, and real quick, yeah. R- Race Art came out with the never ending picture. What, what is that about? Is that a coincidence or what? Um, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but that was like the best coincidence ever. Yeah. But then again, he also came out with, and I will I will say this straight up, first of all, everybody who listens knows that I adore Reyes and I adore his art. I will talk him up to anybody that will listen all day long because he's phenomenally talented. I did not know that I needed to see Daniel LaRusso chopping the tongue off of a giant cobra with a sword. Pretty awesome. Until I saw it. Yeah. Pretty great. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Shout out to him because he's a newer listener now, as I understand yes. it. Yeah. Yes. He messaged me today that, that he had listened to the first episode. Um, the, the, he'd li- the first episode he had listened to was The Atlanta. Oh, nice. Wow. He started episode. with the two hour, 47 minute episode. <laughs> right. Nothing like jumping in with both feet, right? Yeah. And that sound in the background, I believe, was the coffee pot. Oh, okay. Um, so we if you pick that up, that's, yeah, that's the Keurig spitting out the last of the water. Mm, I can go for one of those. Right? Get me some cappuccino. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, but now back to the episode. Have <laughs> you ever noticed we wander off topic a lot? No. Um, Us? <laughs> Hi, Jen. <laughs> Hello. Um, he's still full of shit, by the way. Okay. Next oh, thing Lord. I have written down, not an Easter egg, just a general observation. Sam and Robbie sure do make out a lot. I mean, twice in this episode. Uh, yeah, but... In places they really shouldn't be, but I guess he they, was trying yeah. to distract her. They from have the... nowhere else to to go, right? And he's yeah. trying to distract her from you know the the metal being found. He didn't want to be around when that was, right? right? Yeah, good point. So, all right, Toro is um we're we're back to the dealership, and and Daniel is trying to win Amanda back over, getting her all of the sushi and the green tea and all of this wonderful stuff toro is really not a lucky food for daniel larusso at this point no it's not and i think he needs to stop trying to eat it okay because the last time he ate it the whole conversation with kyler happened which started this whole mess yeah and now he you know was trying to win amanda over with it and she walked out on him to go have lunch with the sales crew well, uh, it was on the calendar. It was on their joint calendar, which yeah. obviously he's not checking for whatever reason. Oh, we she know was why. okay with leaving him there. Right. I mean, offers it up to the customers. Right. Very snarkily, too. I, I actually really kind of loved Amanda, the look on her face. She, oh, she's so mad at him. You know, she's so and, mad at him. And if I was one of the customers, I probably would not have put to get you know that like maybe they were married i just would have been like what's wrong with the sushi 
<laughs> you know, just right. the way she said it. Because it's not cheap sushi, I don't think. He's talking about trekking over the hill to get it. So I'm guessing this is pretty high end. I mean, I know nothing about sushi. I, I was under the impression that maybe because he went to two different places, like one for the tea and then one for the sushi, that, that he was just going er- around everywhere, you know, uh, going that extra mile, basically trying to get these food. I thought that's what Getting that all about. of her favorites from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I've heard the name Sugarfish before, but weird as it may be, as much as I love seafood, I have never eaten sushi. It scares me. Oh, I, it, honestly, talking about it now makes me want to have some. And I had some for lunch yesterday, but I could definitely go for some for dinner tonight. I blame all, all on my dad because my dad would tell us stories when we were kids um, to keep, to get us to not eat things that he wanted to eat. Like he convinced me that rhubarb is poison. Um, like the pie? Rhubarb pie or? Well, because we had rhubarb growing in the backyard. He didn't want us eating it. So he told us it was poison and we would die. Well, then when he would go cut it and bring it inside and he would make the pie out of it, none of us would eat it. Right? Because wow. we all think we're going to die. And right. we think dad's like Superman because he can eat. No, he just really didn't want us to eat the pie. <laughs> Because he wanted it for himself. But he did the same thing with sushi. He convinced me that all sushi would make my head explode. <laughs> I mean, if you eat something that you're allergic to, like my brother-in-law, he's uh, allergic to the, the sea urchin, that that could possibly make you explode. So, Well, when I got into my careful. 20s, he said he was specifically talking about incorrectly prepared puffer fish. Yeah, that's that's one too, yes. But And he's like, I was full of shit. You know, he told me, he told me, but I was like 25 by that time. So it didn't matter anymore because <laughs> I've been scarred my whole life. I, I, I won't eat sushi. Uh, all right. We'll have to do that next time we meet up. Okay. All right. Just don't kill me. All right. And we won't have Toro either. Okay. There we go. Very unlucky food. Mm-hmm. Um, This Easter egg or whatever, shout out, uh, ties back into the one that nobody caught without a heck of a lot of help from the big three. Dibs on Anthony Michael Hall in Weird Science. Right. So would we have picked up on the names if we'd gotten to this episode? I wouldn't have. Would you? Oh, uh, Okay. Wait, wait, what's the Easter egg? The Chris and Mitch. No, that's um, Real Genius. Uh, oh, that real was Real Genius. Genius. Right. Gosh dang it. I yeah. do it every time, don't I? Yeah, it's okay. I do that every time. Weird Science, they built the woman. They built Kelly LeBrock. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. So Tom right. and I, we were trying to figure out what the hell was he wearing that's very distinctive. And Tom was like, well, maybe the bra on the head? Because that's all we could think of. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, just dressing like a nerd would be about it. But I don't even think he There was nothing like really nerd. distinctive. Yeah. It was just like an 80s nerd. I mean, I, I I mentioned like the opening scene where they're at the gym and uh, he gets pantsed. You know, he was wearing like gym shorts. You know, that's that's it. That's the only thing I could think of. But anyway, yeah, um, nothing really special. Yeah. Well, I did it again. I I did that when we were talking about it before. I kept calling Real Genius Weird Science. It happens. People do that all the time. Those two movies. It does. <sighs> okay, so we now have confirmation that John Kreese and not Terry Silver founded Cobra Kai. So hopefully that will put all of that nonsense to rest, all the people fighting over that. Uh, words directly out of Johnny's mouth. Um, I love Johnny's speech in general. Mm-hmm. I love the character that comes through. I love the admitting that he's an asshole without admitting that he's an asshole. 
And I really love that at this point in his life, Johnny knows the word formidable and how to use it in a sentence. (laughs) Oh, man. That is some serious character growth right there. It is because he does not yet have a smartphone. So I think uh, he knows that word. Yes, that is is an awesome word for him to know. I wonder if he went and looked it up just to to put it in the speech. Or he heard it recited in a movie, a favorite movie of his, perhaps. Very possible. Yeah. Um, Hide the plantain. Uh, Johnny has caught on to what a plantain is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of making fun of himself, plus making an inappropriate joke, plus making Miguel uh, 17 shades of red all at the same time. Yes. I like that Johnny loves the Geico cavemen. Oh, oh, yes, yes. We talked about that. The, yeah. The, yeah, unfrozen caveman lawyer kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that he loves those. Uh, his Internet for Dummies book is in his closet. It's on the top shelf above his coat. Second biggest Easter egg, although this actually might tie for biggest, is Miguel hollering out, hey, can I borrow this jacket? Right. Well, you know, can I borrow this? I mean, we don't know what it is yet. No, he says jacket. He says, hey, can I borrow this jacket? Oh, okay. I forget that. Uh, Because Tom and I, or I asked him, I was like, did you recall like when you first watched that, if you knew, if you knew, or had an idea what it was? And he said, no, not until the reveal. I go, oh, I knew immediately what it was. Yeah, I because he he did say, "Hey, can I borrow this jacket?" Right. So and I was jacket, like, "Oh my god, they did." the clue, they, yeah. Yeah, and then they did and it was perfect. Um and I can't believe they waited until episode 8 of season 2 to reveal it. Right. Right. They they hold on to these things though. You they know, really do. they they've still got you're the best in their back pocket. They can pull it out on us anytime they want, and when they do it, it will be the absolute perfect moment. It will be. And it, I'm guessing, will be near the end. Very So likely. we don't want to hear that song. No, if, not yet. If that actually is the harbinger of the end, then we don't want to hear that song. Then we've got Judy from season one. The, the, the Either the woman who was bitching at him or that bitch. Yep. Probably both. This time I do he kind does of, call her a bitch. He does. Yep. Well, he called her a bitch on the phone with Mike, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He refers to her as one, but this time he calls her one. Right. Well, well muttered under his breath that she walked away. Yeah. He didn't call it to, didn't call her that to her face. I, and there's some, you know, there's some symmetry here. Daniel and Johnny both have Judy's in their pasts now. Oh, yes, they do. And perhaps that is the Easter egg. Yeah. That her name. There we go. Which I feel we might have even talked about it. Uh, about naming her Judy. Yeah. If she turns out to be Daniel's Judy, then there's just no hope. And this is a soap opera. But I really don't think she's going to turn out to be Daniel's Judy because how common is my mother-in-law's name is Judy. Okay, it's not an uncommon name. Yeah, and I I never thought that. No, no, I, I just yeah, I just figured it's the name. Um, I, I don't believe that it would be this Judy, and and if it is, obviously it's making the world you know a little small. Right, just like having Johnny's boss's name be Mike. Is right. that our Mike? Of course not. That's like the most common name for men in their you know forties and fifties in the United States. Sure. Yeah, I work with a Mike in his forties. Yeah. Yeah, I know dozens mm-hmm. of people named Mike around my age. It's just a thing. Michael was a big name in the eighties. So then we have Daniel sitting, looking at the at the photos. Um, and I, I love, one of the things that I don't like is when TV shows try to fake photoshopped family photos and they do it badly. Um, 
like one of the one of the most beautiful scenes on Supernatural is when Dean is in the alternate reality and he sees a Christmas photo of himself and Sam and their parents at, you know, really, really young. And you can tell it's photoshopped and it's photoshopped very badly. And I don't like that. And here they avoided all of that because this photo album is full of pictures of Ralph with his children and Courtney with her oldest child. Mm -hmm. So it, these are real, these are real photos. Right. Only instead of Julia on Ralph's shoulders, it's now Sam's on, you know, Sam on Daniel's. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I love that they did that. And I love that they worked all these old photos from the actors in. Yeah. Um, I love that photo of Ralph and Pat as much as I hated that orange jacket from Karate Kid 3. <laughs> I love that photo of the two of them. And one question that has always remained for me is exactly who the hell took that photo of them standing on top of that mountain? I mean, it was a selfie stick. Which totally existed in 1985. I mean, it's Miyagi we're talking about. Come on. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he probably... Magical uh, wizard that can see the future or something, yeah. right? Or or it's a uh, one of those um, fancier ones that have a timer, you know, and they just sat it on a rock. Now, that's possible. Mm -hmm. Timed photos in the mid-80s were a thing. It was. And then we also have not necessarily confirmation of Sam's first birthday, its actual date. Most likely, it's, it's the actual date. But her first birthday party was October 14th of 2003. And that is visible on an invitation in the scrapbook. Now, uh, most parents do have their children's first birthday parties on their first birthday. So odds are Sam's birthday is intended to be October 14th, 2002, which as of August 2018 would make Samantha LaRusso 15. Moving on. <laughs> we'll just ignore that she's been driving illegally for the past year. Okay, so... Then comes a scene between Daniel and, and Lucille. It's not an Easter egg, but I have to say this is definitely to me feels like if not just this season's possibly the entire show this far. This is the you're the best friend I've ever had scene. Yeah. Yeah. It is the most real feeling scene of any of them for just those few moments, you completely forget that Ralph and Randy exist. And this is Daniel and Lucille talking about his father. Yeah. And she looks a whole lot like my mom with the beautiful silver hair and everything. So when I watch this scene, I'm imagining my mom talking about my dad who passed away, you know, almost 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And... Just the tears that this brought out in, uh, of me, I didn't expect it. Right. Because they're talking about a character that we've literally never met. Yeah. Who is so hugely important to both of them. And the the pain in Daniel's voice when he says, you know, that's when he started getting sick. And the pain and the wistfulness when she talks about feeling his his hair on her cheek. And it's just so real yeah it, it really is i mean um kind of just reimagining the scene play in my head right now is giving me chills mm -hmm. um it's just so well written and so well delivered by uh randy heller 
beautifully, beautifully acted. Yeah. And she's, oh gosh, she is so amazing. I have adored her for, you know, since I was 11 years old. And this is why. Because she can, she can do that. And because this scene is so real, then that drives home to me <laughs> the point that Daniel doesn't cry. Because if at any point in this season, Daniel's going to cry, this is it. And he doesn't. He gets right on the verge of it. But those tears never fall. Johnny, on the other hand, falls like a ball baby multiple times. Daniel doesn't cry. Yeah. Good observation. And I don't understand why, because I'm pretty sure he cried when he was a teenager. So why doesn't he anymore? I don't know. I want to know, but I don't know. Um, then back to the bar with Johnny. I wish Facebook Messenger installed that fast. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even talk about this uh, during our review, but you see how fast he was texting? He can or text. Messaging? Yeah. He can text like lightning. I mean, he just picked it up. It was almost like me, up. right? You've seen me text. I have. I text. I, I, I type a whole lot faster than I text. And the new keyboard is all messed up. And I keep hitting random P's and N's and random letters I don't mean. But Johnny hits no accidental letters until he's spelling his name. And then he starts spelling his name Pony, which made me really laugh um, and then backs out and it, it becomes Johnny again. And that, of course, is the Easter egg for Allie in this episode. Then we've got the first song, the How I Feel About You. Um, that's playing while Johnny is at the bar. And that's playing over him talking to the woman that is obviously his type and obviously into him while he's learning what Graham the ass is doing to Carmen. Right. And I just, I picked up on that song being there because obviously the woman at the bar is not the you that Johnny is having feelings about. Mm -hmm. And it was another excellent choice of music. It's not a song I think I've ever heard before. I didn't recognize it. But um, I really, really liked it. And I thought it was very, very appropriate yeah. for that scene. Yeah. Um, I do like that the woman, you know, name drops Knight Rider. Kid, and talking yeah. about the smartwatch. That's right. And then Miguel talking about the, the fight at the beach last year and Sam making him feel like a paranoid asshole. And then going back even further to the not a date thing, which why she told Miguel it wasn't a date. I have no idea because it most definitely was. I, I I think, you know, because she had just gotten out of that, you know, relationship, if you want to call it, with Kyler. So calling it a date, you know, maybe in her mind, it just makes her seem like, oh, she's just jumping to the next relationship. So Well, calling it not a date with Miguel always made sense. Yeah. Because she wasn't in a position to date Miguel at that point. But there's absolutely no reason to tell Miguel that she's not on a date with Robbie when he's you know, got Tori swallowing his face right in front of her. Right. Uh, I, I, so I misunderstood which one you're talking about. I think for Robbie, I think she's still kind of maybe not in denial, but I think she just doesn't want to admit it to Miguel that they are on a date. Right. Even though she just, you know, sat there and, and watched Tori Mac all over Miguel. So obviously he's OK. Yeah. 
So why is he even giving her crap about dating anyone anyway? Because he is. Because they're the whole all situation very young. is yes, they're teenagers. The whole situation is very teenage mm-hmm. drama and and very realistically written. Very, and we talked about that too. I, I, I uh, you know, it's all too familiar to me. Just these little pettiness and uh, trying to one up another and all these. Yeah, I've I've seen all this before. I do have to say though that in that uh, that initial scene, I was highly impressed that when Sam and Tori first run into each other. And the boys are there. The most mature people in that situation are Robbie and Miguel. Yeah. And they are the ones that should have the baddest blood between them. And they are just kind of rolling their eyes at each other about the girls. Right. Which I really liked. Instead of, you know, they're not going after each other. So whatever was between Robbie and Miguel at this point seems to have been mostly settled. At least on the surface. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that's immediately boiling over like it probably would have been if they'd run into each other in the first two episodes. Then things have had time to die down a little bit. But then the girls are ramping it up. Right. Um, I did like the someone named Dan Johnson, which I don't know if that means that the people that were saying it were saying the wrong name or if he was hearing the wrong name or what. But especially with the collar tucked inside the jacket. He did look a whole lot look a whole lot more like Don Johnson than James Spader. I I agree. And then obviously the Peter Satira beautiful music to make out to in the back of a BMW. Um, Daniel pulling out all the stops again and again, getting to the verge of tears, but not actually shedding them. And Johnny asking Carmen out, which not an Easter egg and not a surprise because I don't know about anybody else, but I've been waiting for that for 18 episodes. <laughs> uh, and that is the end. That is the end. End snake. Yep. All really good ones. Um, Tom doesn't get the impression that they got it on. Daniel and Amanda? Yeah. I was like, uh, well, did you want the car to shake? Or like what? You know, and then yeah, I think it was... Um, he was starting to feel a little embarrassed, and so we kind of moved uh, moved along. We're talking about fictional characters. Did Daniel and Amanda get it on in the backseat of that car? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, because it was in reference to what Amy wrote uh, for the for the summary. Daniel and Amanda bang in the back of a car. Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, that that's what that's the impression I got. There is no shame whatsoever in two grown adults who have been married for twenty some years. Yeah, acting like teenagers. Although, you know, they may have had to buy that car at the end of the day because they probably can't sell it as unused anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, did they? Yeah, they did. Did they when Sam, you know, when she was pregnant with Sam? No, probably not. No. But pretty close to it. Yeah. It's a thing when you own that many expensive cars, you know, it's just a thing. It is a thing, uh, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so. Those are, uh, that's you using the, the real eggs there. And um, as usual, we went to our group and asked for some feedback for those that wanted to leave it. And if you are a listener and are not in our group and want to leave feedback for the remaining episodes, we have 9 and 10, uh, some pretty crazy episodes coming up here. If you guys want to be able to leave uh, said feedback, you can either join the group or follow us on uh, Twitter to do so, because I do put out a thread out there as well. So uh, starting in our group with the very first one, we got one of our moderators, uh, Sensei Dorian, 
he's got a few points here he wanted to make. Uh, number one, the look Johnny gives Miguel when he says, what sort of women are you uh, looking to meet? The translation, you're really asking me that. Billy Zapka has great comedic timing. Lose that mole and you're in. That's an interesting line because my wife, she has a mole above her lip. And I think uh, it's beautiful and it makes her her. You know, kind of well, like the Cindy Crawford mole, like right above the lip. Uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the, ori- the 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 beauty mark. I have yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything on me. It just means that there is a little brown spot above my lip. But uh, Jacqueline Smith has one. It's uh, like the human face, and this this is the theory I always heard about it. The human face cannot be perfect because the human mind cannot comprehend perfection. So, on a perfect face, there is a mole. To cause an imperfection to keep people from looking at them to be driven insane by their beauty. How Roman Greek God is that? Uh, very? Yes. <laughs> okay. And that's actually, it was a mythology class that I that I heard that in. Look at you, hustling a pool in college and AM radio DJ. And you're, you're an onion with many layers. Or I'm a flighty bitch who just can't decide what I want to do. <laughs> I think it's the the, the former. Uh, uh, Point the two, such a poignant moment between Daniel and his mom when you learn about his dad, uh, which I I think we all can agree was a a very great moment. Uh, Number three, that flashback of the LaRusso auto opening was so touching. Daniel and Amanda are the real deal. Number four, great Johnny moments. The dating scenes are priceless. Plus, Judy is back from episode one. But is she the Judy? As in, she buries Judy, which we uh, kind of touched on. Uh, and also, when he beats up Carmen's wanker, dickhead boyfriend, proof that you can be badass and show mercy. That's a very good point. Absolutely. Back to uh, you know what he was telling the kids uh, earlier in the episode. Yeah, but I will definitely channel Amy for just a second here and say him coming after him with that garbage can lid is just about the hottest thing I have ever seen. Mm, I, I agree. I think that was quite hot. Yes. Uh, and I'm mistaken because he has a few more points that the whole see more thing. I, I didn't even catch that. Oh. Uh, yeah. So number five, I used to feel bad for Tori after episode six, but this episode confirms what a hypocrite she is. She says there's no excuse to be a bully, but then acts like one by tripping Sam up. And yes, Sam did the same, but put yourself in Sam's shoes. Tori is always antagonistic. Sam is just being friendly. Uh, Tori is not the one who said there's no excuse to be a bully. That was Sam. Hmm. That's their montage from the next episode. Ah. That's Sam's line. I don't remember her saying it anywhere in the season. Yeah. And I've actually been looking for it, but that's definitely her line from the montage that everyone has a sob story. Okay. Uh, Number six, Robbie and Sam asked Bader and Rigwald gave me chills. Plus Miguel wearing Johnny's Cobra jacket is wicked. And Tori made an okay Madonna. <laughs> I think Tori made a more than okay Madonna. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think she looked fantastic. Yeah. She's like desperately seeking Susan levels of Madonna here. I like that Madonna. Yes. Yeah. Uh, seven, Johnny's speech to the class mirrors Daniel's speech to his students in episode six. These two are different, but same. Perhaps season three will we'll finally see the union of Team La Russo. Maybe. Uh, I don't think it's going to be called that, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, we'll see if that becomes a third hashtag. We'll see. Um, and his final point, eight, I ship Robbie and Sam more than Miguel and Sam. Team Robbie all the way. Mm, that's interesting. I adore Robbie. Yeah. I do. He is so broken and so lost, and he clearly 
adores Sam, but I just don't think they're right for each other. I love the Romeo and Juliet vibe, but I get more of it from Miguel and Sam. And I think that's just because Johnny is so much more paternal or has been so much more paternal to Miguel up until this point to where Miguel is more Johnny's son than Robbie is. Robbie is more Daniel's son than he yeah. is Johnny's. <laughs> Daniel's son. So Robbie and Sam, to me, feels borderline incestuous. Right. And I think that's why I'm it, it just I'm, I'm not against it because obviously they're not related in the slightest. But I just I, 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 I like the vibe from Sam and Miguel better. And I, yeah, either way, Johnny and Daniel end up in-laws at the end of the so at the end of the show. So I'm good with whichever. Because that's really all I want. I want these two stuck with each other for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And next is uh, Jen. And she says she loved seeing Miguel in Johnny's jacket. And seeing Mrs. LaRusso again is a treat. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And we have to talk about the Michael Jackson sunglasses, too. The slitted sunglasses. Did Michael Jackson wear those? Um, I think he did in Billie Jean, I think. Okay. Uh, I... Let's see. I okay. So those I tried ordering because that's what I had planned to dress as for Dragon Con. Obviously, uh, I have the jacket from the last time I ordered it for Rose City Comic Con, which it didn't come in time, so I got to wear it this time around. And so I, I wore the jeans. I wore a red shirt underneath it, but I didn't have my shutter shades. But um, but you still were. I mean, you still absolutely were. You know, channeling Johnny, right? Yeah. Well, I was trying to channel Miguel, but yeah, I did my best. Okay. <laughs> Did my best. Swinging for Miguel and hit Johnny. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes from Chiara uh, Bongiorno. There would be millions of things to say, but I will only say I hate Patriots too. Love it. <laughs> Everyone hates the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. Everyone hates the Patriots except Patriots fans. Yes. Put it that's, that way. That is no truer things have been said on the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's almost like the Cowboys at this point. If you're not a if you're not a fan of the Patriots, you hate them. It's it's right. a law. Yeah. You know. And then our friend Amy. Billy's comic timing was top notch in this episode. Two favorite moments. The look he gives the douche when Carmen says he's funny, and the mid sentence, oh, this one's hot. <laughs> That's a good one, yes. That really was like he's yeah, ooh, hot chick. Um, love everything about this episode from the first second to the last. You know, that that's something Tom and I really, really agreed on how we just, uh, how we both really enjoyed this episode. It's really entertaining and it, it delved into a lot of very deep uh, with Daniel and Lucille and his dad and with Daniel and Amanda and Johnny wrestling with his feelings for Carmen and the kids dealing with their feelings for each other. It, it, Delved into incredibly deep subjects, but it did it in a highly entertaining way. Yeah. Yep. And it didn't feel like a very special episode of Cobra Kai, you know? So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, same. Uh, the next one comes from Mike P., the White Snake dream sequence, and Johnny's smile at the end. Perfection. And very simple and straight to the point. Absolutely. It, it was. The, the smile was the capper, the cherry on top. Absolutely. Y yes. Yes. Um, and... I, there's no other way to uh, to to describe it. It's just that it's that smile. I, right? I I want to be the fly on the wall at the moment when somebody was like, "Oh, and we gotta show him like laying in bed with like a silly ass smile." I would imagine the reaction was, "Oh my god, that's perfect." Yeah, yeah. 
I can't see anybody objecting to it. Other than maybe the censors, but who listens to them? Then Debbie H. I love Daniel, but he always needs a Rafiki staff to the head to see the light. I'm looking looking forward to when Johnny gets to perform this much-needed service. Okay. I don't think Daniel needs a Rafiki staff to the head. He expected Amanda to understand why he was doing what he was doing. Right. And it caught him completely by surprise when she didn't. And then she wasn't exactly forthcoming with the information. And then she describes his marriage as an open head wound. Right. Yikes. Yeah. So you can't really blame him for going bigger and bigger and more extravagant because the harder he tries, the worse she gets. Right. And, and at least he's not going the other direction. Right. Instead right. Of like trying less and less. Right. And it's not going to work. So I'm just going to give up. Right. So he's putting in the effort. But uh, Tom and I, we discussed that he's just going about it the wrong way. Right. And I I think it's just because he loves her so much and their marriage has always been so comfortable and so easy. This is, you know, not the first time they've had to work because if they didn't open the dealership until she was pregnant with Sam 16 years ago, Mm -hmm. then they were very likely flat broke when they got married. Right. And flat broke marriages are always a struggle. So and and as far as Johnny being the one to provide the service, you really think Johnny Lawrence is the one who's going to give Daniel LaRusso relationship clarity? Come on, Debbie. Come on. No way. Not that I would object to Johnny, you know, generally just getting into it with Daniel because we all want to see that anyway. Right. We gotta... But I, I don't think he would be the best one to um, explain to Daniel why his marriage is screwed up. Yeah. Okay, uh, next one comes from Rick, uh, one time, and I love Daniel's relationship with Lucille in The Karate Kid 1. Daniel drank Minute Maid while wearing sunglasses to hide his shiner, but his mom knew right away he was hiding something. Now, in this episode of Cobra Kai, Lucille mentions Minute Maid to Daniel, and before we know it, she has figured out Daniel's faking a fever. Good parallel there. Uh, We talked about that, but I didn't even make that uh, connection. It's like uh, Minute Maid is truth serum in the uh, LaRusso household. Uh, and then he continues, oh, when I met Ralph uh, Macho at AwesomeCon, I referenced this episode. He noticed I was wearing a Miyagi-Do shirt, but a Cobra Kai hat. I explained it's a gray area these days. That's what Johnny says in this. This isn't Kreese's Cobra Kai anymore speech. Uh, Ralph smirked and nodded and responded, gray area, right. Uh, this was just two or three days after season two was released, so I think he was a bit surprised. It's also, I mean, I, I've been to enough conventions now that, yeah, I have seen people wearing both Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai, but usually not on the same day. And actually, when I went to Chicago, because I didn't know if my Miyagi-Do hoodie was going to be ready, I had the Cobra Kai jacket in my bag the whole time in case it got cold. Yeah. So I would have been wearing a Cobra Kai jacket over all of my Miyagi-Do stuff. Is it because it's a gray area? No, it's because Cobra Kai is the name of the show. Yeah, but I, I I love the gray area. I love it, and the whole Miyagi Kai Cobra Do thing. That it just so many people want them together. Yeah, you know. And my favorite shirt is the one of the cobra standing in front of the bonsai, like it's protecting it. I right. love that shirt. Yeah. I love those logos combined. So it's a good one. And then Kiera, Daniel seems to have a Peter Satira song for every important woman in his life. 
Glory of Love was for Kumiko. You're the inspiration is for Amanda. What song do you think he would have picked for Allie, if any? Hmm. I actually put thought into this one. Believe it or not. Hard to say I'm sorry? Yes. Oh, look at that. See, we do share a brain sometime. We do. Because what is, the, what is the one reason that Daniel and Allie fought that we saw them fighting? Because he tried to apologize to her for having overreacted to the whole spaghetti thing. Oh, yeah. And her part the, uh, in it. At the arcade, And he right. just kept escalating and escalating and escalating. He sucked at telling her he was sorry. Right. Until Susie smacked him in the head with a Rafiki stick. So maybe he does need one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but also he didn't know about the kiss. And But yes, you're right. He does need to get smacked with a Rafiki stick once in a while to see the light. Yes. And my take on the glory of love, especially from the Karate Kid Part 2, it all depends on how you listen to it. If you listen to it from a certain slant, yes, it is Daniel and Kumiko. If you listen to it from another one, it is Mr. Miyagi and Yukie. And if you listen to it from another one, it's Daniel singing to Mr. Miyagi. So it's, I, I don't necessarily say that it is strictly Daniel and Kumiko's song. It is that movie's song. And which arrangement of characters it applies to depends on how you interpret the lyrics. Yeah. I love me that song. Oh, I do too. Uh, and so that's all of the feedback from our group. So thank you guys for leaving all of that. Uh, we had one piece of feedback from Twitter, and this one comes from at M underscore Hummingbird. Uh, they say both of the girls are jerks in this episode, but Sam's sanctimony and lying pissed me off more than Tori's possessive aggression. Johnny's crush on Carmen is cute and funny. I still hope things work out for them. I do too. Thank you for the feedback. I, I absolutely am pulling for Johnny and, and Carmen. Yeah, I think we all are. Yes. Johnny and Carmen and Amanda and Daniel and then is some arrangement of the children that ends up with those four in-laws. That's all I want. I'm not picky. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot to ask for. No, it's really not. Yeah. Let's make these lifelong mortal enemies end up literally family. Yeah. For the rest of their lives. I can, I, I, and I'm happy. Yeah. I don't get the lying from Sam. I mean, the the not a date thing, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, possibly. And as far as sanctimony goes, she doesn't like Tori. And she's not without reason. You know, this is not just something that Sam... Sam didn't just wake up one morning and decide she was going to hate Tori. Right. And the same is true in reverse. Well, uh, yeah. Tori could have possibly woken up one morning and decided she was going to hate Sam because Miguel was still in love with her. Yeah, I mean, that that night they were underneath the stars in the plane, you know, he brought her right? up. Right, yeah. and he so. keeps bringing Sam up, and then he's making the video for her and all of this. Yeah. Myself, I have a much bigger issue with in-your-face, treacherous, intentional, and you want to talk about lying? It's Tori painting herself as the victim of Sam when she knows damn well she's the one that started that because she knocked Sam on her ass first. Right. So neither one of them is blameless, but neither one of them is more the bad guy than the other, yeah. I don't think, at this point. They're just two girls who don't like each other. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, so that's all the regular feedback. Uh, since we last did an episode review, we did get a new 
podcast review on Apple Podcasts. Um, this one comes from Sarah B. from KC. Thank you, Sarah, so much uh, for this. Uh, she gave us five stars and says, The Cobra Kai Podcast. She writes, Peter and Tom are unrepentant dorks. There's no getting around it, but they are also genuinely huge fans of the show and the film that started it all. Able to keep up with the big three, whom they actually interview multiple times, as well as other supporting cast members. It's actually astounding the caliber of talent they managed to pull in. The magic of the podcast is how little business they have being as successful as they have managed to be. An underdog story almost as compelling as the film and TV show they love as, uh, so well. They haven't nabbed Ralph or Billy just yet, but I wouldn't rule it out, as these guys have somehow magically found the sweet spot of fandom. Access to the big hitting names while maintaining a down-home mom-and-pop style operation. No ads, no weird product plugs, and best of all, no uncomfortably close affiliation with YouTube or the production company. Peter and Tom do all of this seemingly on their own time and dime, and the love for the show is obvious in every insightful question and nervous chuckle. This is a podcast of the fans, by the fans, and for the fans, as Honest Abe would say. Abe Lincoln, by the way, would totally be Team Miyagi-Do. So, thank you, Sarah. Um... I love it. Uh, this is well thought out, and I really appreciate the the, the kind words. Uh, once I got this, you know, not only did I share it in a group, uh, I shared it on Instagram, I shared it on Twitter, and it. I mean, Sarah, it, I, I only just started interacting with her on Twitter, and she recently joined the group uh, because I had a surprise Facebook Live uh, session that I busted out out of nowhere. You know, Israel uh, Warbe, he came on, you know, who played Freddie Fernandez. He uh, joined, joined our group, and him and I, we did Facebook Live to talk about his product, Strategy, uh, which for those that listened to that interview, he talked uh, about it. And so he gave us an update and opened up to a Q&A, and it was quite hilarious. Uh, that man is extremely funny, and everybody was loving it. He's funny. He knows everyone. He has worked with everyone. He has been everywhere and done everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Sarah joined the group uh, because she wanted to see what was going on because I had teased that, uh, yes, something special was going to happen in the group. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Sarah, for taking the time. You know, we often ask if anybody has a few minutes to to do so, and she did that. So we appreciate it, and that gives us a little bit more visibility uh, when people type in and search for, like, a Cobra Kai podcast. So that's it. That, that, that wraps up uh, anything uh, else I well, wanted to share. One thing that that her review reminded me of was in Atlanta. Um, she was talking about, you know, you have no business being as big as you are or as important as you are and the underdog story. Right. Standing in line to order food at Gibney's in Atlanta, there were two men standing behind me and you were in front of me and you had moved up to order. And I was standing at the front of the line with these two behind me, and one asked the other who you were. And that man answered, and he was like, oh, he has this podcast. And, you know, they started out just doing reviews like everyone else did, but then all of a sudden he's interviewing people and he's getting the actors from the show on there. And then next thing you know, suddenly he's got the producers on there too, and that you are totally legit and have worked your ass off to get where you are and deserve all of it. And he was just singing your praises all over the place. And it's absolutely 100% true. 
Yeah, it's it it's really crazy because you had you know told me that story. I'm like, wow, because I do recall the two men that were behind you, and I'm like, man, if if he knew who I was, you know, I, I wish that he'd come to say hello. I you know I would love to talk to anybody that listens to the show. So that was interesting to me to find out that somebody that seemingly knew me so well didn't even come to say hello. Right. Right. When he was staying, I think he, he complimented you on the shirt was about the only thing he said to you. Oh, OK. But then he, you know, it talked you up like crazy because he asked you where you got the shirt. OK, I it's been it, you've slept since then. <laughs> yeah, I had to at some point, right? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I loved it. And I, I would overhear stuff like that when you would walk by multiple times in Atlanta. So you've got listeners out there that I don't think you have any idea about. Oh, and clearly not. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it it, it really is. You know, it, it's super humbling. And, you know, just the things that Sarah says, I mean, I get the impression that she listens to a lot of podcasts, you know, because uh, I, you know, I listen to some true crime podcasts and they always take a break to plug a product, you know, or another show and yeah, we don't do any of that. Everything is on our own dime. We have made zero dollars off of this show. We do it because we love it. And we try to produce content that we feel the listeners want to hear. You know, we try well, to we're produce... plugging the hell out of Minute Maid in this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Rick did that one. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, basically, I, I, I want to produce episodes that I would like to hear on a Cobra Kai show, too. So um yeah she totally gets it and yeah we, we appreciate all uh, the uh, kind words that everybody uh has been sharing uh so that that wraps it up for all of this this is the end of our episode so brianna where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media on twitter and tumblr and instagram i am brianna 25 i am also brianna 25 on youtube fanfiction.net and archive of our own and on Facebook, I am Brianna Davidson. And uh, for me, you can find me on another podcast that I host called Podstalgic, where I review retro movies from our yesteryears. And uh, earlier in the episode, I mentioned that, you know, I had previously reviewed Weird Science as well. And uh, you can find me on Podstalgic on Twitter and Instagram uh, for our show. This one right here, Cobra Kai Companion. We have two Twitter handles, and so either one works, Cobra Kai Podcast or Pod, and also on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Uh, the group, if you want to join the group, um, I'll keep it simple. Check the show notes, because it's a mouthful. This episode's going to be long, and uh, you can copy and paste or just click the link, um, and it'll take you straight to our group. There's uh, rules in there. Read the rules, and there's a request that we ask you to do, and we'll grant you access. People miss that part sometimes and we just let them sit in the queue until they figure it out well now i and i believe you let me in because my answer to that question was that's a dumb question i mean but you are uh at the time you were uh uh brie uh, what did we call you at the time the encyclopedia um, brie hanukkah encyclopedia yeah encyclopedia yeah. brie hanukkah so I, I i had to you know i i made the executive decision uh, to bring you in that one um so that's gonna do it for this episode i'm gonna try to hold off um you know, I still have like one interview that has been uh, recorded some time ago, but I'm going to kind of hold off on anything different because I would really like to finish up uh, our our reviews of episode 9 and 10 for season 2 uh, before we start with those other things. So hopefully the next episode is going to be our review of episode 9. So until the next time, I read my emails all the time on my smartphone. It's an Ericsson. 
Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.